Greetings, true believers, and welcome to Order 66 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, possibly Force-sensitive, Hector. <laughs> possibly nothing, man. Don't be, don't be down in my <laughs> Jedi abilities. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here and still with that uh, late-night movie premiere hangover. So, uh, uh, yeah, because Hector's going to flex this entire episode because Chris did not make it to the movie theater, but Hector's going to see it at least five times before I do. So that's that's not like a, a flex, dude. You're just old and busy and don't make time to go to the movies. That kind of sounds sounds like a flex. So, um, yeah, the next the next hour is going to be Hector telling me about and us about Batman. So uh, I guess strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves. For we've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next on. I caught handsome checks for my expansion sets. Ah, it's so good to be back. To be talking comics and everything. Uh, we, I, I guess we survived COVID. That's how this works. I, I don't know. We don't talk about COVID, no, no. Yeah, so good times. Um, but we do have a lot on today's episode. Uh, we're going to talk all the latest news uh, that you need to know, our must-pulls from the last couple of weeks, our favorite new number ones. Like I said, I guess Hector's going to tell us about the Batman, you know, non-spoilerly, so don't, don't worry yourselves. We know we're literally uh, on release weekend uh, and so much more. This is the Polis Podcast. So uh, for some news, we, we do continue to have news, though, kind of like I mentioned last time, even though we were catching up, um, there's not a lot of news. Um, I kind of find it interesting, not quite depressing, but at least interesting that I kind of feel like things are kind of quiet. Um, usually now we're hearing... Lots of stuff about the upcoming summer, like events and things like that. But I just feel like as I sort through even, you know, the rumor sites and everything, that stuff just kind of seems quiet. It, am I alone? Did, it, you're not alone. But the, the thing is, I think people don't know what to actually bank on because that's fair. the last time we went into a summer thinking, OK, we'll be fine by summer. That's you know, true. It didn't go that way. Um Big cons are still, you know, not even announced. Like, there's a whole franchise yeah, of cons that you and I worked with that have not done a thing in two years. And, yeah. and like, uh, I've still got shows that I paid for in 2019 that I haven't cashed in on. Um, uh, in that, you know, it's a weird business, as I was telling you in the break uh, or before we yeah. started. Two of the comic book shops that I patronize patronize support yes i don't know not in a bad way no, you don't yeah no uh two of the comic shops that if you've listened to this podcast for any of the time in the last two years uh during the pandemic i started frequently buying from a two of my local comic shops just to make sure they stayed afloat and mm -hmm. uh they all closed since the last episode um yeah the one, the one shop that's still a staple and was always a staple is still here, but the two newer shops both uh, shut their doors as brick and mortar stores this week. Mm. So I, I guess it is 
I guess, I guess COVID is still with us. <laughs> um, dang it. We're going to win eventually. Well, it's, it's just um, shaky ground, dude. You don't know what to do yeah, business-wise. No, it's fair. And, of course, you know, anybody that, like, turns on the news for a millisecond knows that the world is kind of sideways in general lately, it feels like. So, yeah. It's just, I guess, adding concern to the consumer market is just, you know, what happens. Um Comics generally tends to be the place of escapism and a place to enjoy art and creativity, but even they are driven by world events and things going on and, you know, shortages. I haven't heard as much of shortage on paper lately, um, so I'm kind of hopeful that those things have worked themselves out. But I do know that logistics and distribution-wise that still sometimes are diamond delivered stuff is running a day to two late on average still um at least down here for us so yeah the the industry is still kind of i guess uh working out its its stuff over the last few years as we kind of jump in but let, let's take a look at some of the stuff that is going on that we can talk about um that we kind of know what's going on um there's been a pretty huge trend uh, as of late of a bunch of actors and famous types from Hollywood jumping into the comic book game. You might have heard of a little book that Keanu Reeves, you know, did, um, you know, that Berserker jam. Uh, well, Jamie Lee Curtis decided she wants in on some of this comic booky stuff, and she's got a graphic novel coming later this year called um, Mother Nature. And it's kind of got a sci-fi um, vibe, and you, you probably guessed it has something to do with the weather and Mother Nature and such. You would be correct. Uh, so we got links to that in the show notes. There's some early art out for it. I'm double-checking to see when it actually drops. Do, 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 do. Huh. I don't think it really says, except that it's probably going to be this fall. But pre-orders are out there for it. So if that's your jam, uh, there's there's some stuff coming from Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> right? Yeah, who knew? I mean, um, she's not on the list of people I want a celebrity book from. But I also, <laughs> like, you know, it's okay. You, you, you don't not want it? She's not on the list. You know, it's it's not on the same level of how much I don't want a Jennifer Aniston graphic novel. So, um, yeah, that's okay. She's, she's on my list of, I don't like you people as far as actors. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here first. Um, yes, our beef goes way back. <laughs> yeah. The Hector beef goes way back. Uh, hope, hope she's not listening to the show. I would like a Sandra Bullock graphic novel. Yeah. I'm down with that. Like who would, who would be a, a celebrity graphic novel you would want? Ooh. That's a good question. Hmm. I mean, I mean, technically, I wanted a Keanu Reeves ones before we had it. Did you? <laughs> I mean, the it just feels like the dude does everything. And then oh. he did. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. Um. You and McGregor. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that dude could have some neat stuff up in the dome. All right. Yeah, maybe, I'll take it. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
the next new got some DC news here for you. So, um, and you were going to mention it kind of later anyway, but Human Target, um, Tom King has been rolling, trucking along, and has been pretty great. It's kind of been giving us the vibes of um, how we felt reading Mr. Miracle the first time, uh, that this one just felt tighter, put more together than um, the Strange Adventures journey. Or Rorschach. Yeah, (laughs) that which shall not be named. (laughs) Um, How how dare he? (laughs) Uh, Which, by the way, you're going to get strong Rorschach vibes from Batman. Just throwing it out there. Okay. I mean, that's... Like, journal entry dates, like... That's kind of ironic. (laughs) It's like, October 31st, blah, blah, blah. Like, for real. (laughs) Like, you're, like, straight up literally going full what Alan Moore was making fun of? That's good. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Noted. But... Human Target is supposed to be it's supposed to be a 12 part, right? Just like all the other ones that Tom's yeah. done. Yeah. Um well, they're they're going to go on a 5 month break after issue 6. So they're going to write half of it and take half a year off um before finishing it. And I don't know how I feel about that. Well, Tom's also got like a new Batman project. He's oh yeah, also- no. He's got a lot. And to be fair, I'd rather it go as well as it's going and take a break. Because I'm going to tell you, like, issue, uh, what? Five. Five. Okay. Issue five had me feeling some type of way. Um, like, the stuff they were doing with it, um, like, because this was, like, if you haven't read it, like, so basically the, it's almost SNL level that each issue has a guest star. Um. Right. Uh, so one issue was Booster Gold, one issue was uh, Blue Beetle, um, one issue was Fire, I believe. Um, this issue is Martian Manhunter. Ooh. Um, but uh, the whole thing is, uh, in a nutshell, this issue is Chance uh, flashbacking, learning how to uh, manipulate mind controllers or mind readers. Okay. So it's his backstory learning to manipulate people who are going to invade your mind, um, which oh. deals with a lot of trauma of his childhood with his father's death. And uh, actually, like, so it's like a, the Martian Manhunter is invading his mind and he's invading the Martian Manhunter's mind. And it's like, it's. Dude, it's psychological. It's beautiful. Um, oh, save it for the podcast. Uh, save it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop. Uh, you might you might want to guess that Human Target Number Five is on Hector's poll for this week. Yeah, um, it is. But it yeah, is. they're they're taking that break. But yeah, I guess yeah. Hopefully, because of all the different projects that Tom's got going on right now, that that will be good ultimately in the wrong, long run. Just we got to take. We're we're gonna go a few months without seeing it. So sometimes that's great. Other times, you know, it's Saga, and it's three years later when it finally comes out. What? Um, so also in DC news, also something in in Hector's uh, jam of a wheelhouse is, guess what, fam? Deceased isn't over. Um, we thought it was, but apparently. Uh, Taylor has a third part in what he's calling a trilogy, though none of the parts are technically labeled, and there's tons of offshoots in the middle of it. 
click the link in the show notes to find out what I'm talking about because there's a lot of books in there. Um, but there's yes, four just, graphic novels already for yeah. two part story air quotes, but go yeah, on. Air, right. So, uh, deceased, um, numero tray will supposedly come out later, uh, this year, kind of wrapping all of the pieces, um, that are out there currently together. And I mean, Historically speaking, we we both have said wonderful things about Deceased, so I'm not against getting more of it. But I did kind of feel like we had an ending <laughs> um, to the main line, so I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out. And there's not a lot of hints to it, except that it exists. Well, that's the thing about zombies. They keep coming <laughs> back. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, not quite dead yet. Uh, so, yep. And... Over in Turtle News. Oh, uh, just because, on, on a oh. side note, because this isn't going to go in my pools. Hulk number uh, five. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it features the premiere of a character that somebody might care about later. Um, but uh, they actually, uh, <laughs> to I'd previously mentioned that, you know, uh, to fire up Spaceship Banner, they give him bad guys to fight in his mind. Uh, right, right. The max level is Marvel Zombies. And of it course, straight up... Of course it is. So he turns it to level five or whatever the max level is, and it legit says Marvel Zombies, and they drop. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you've missed... If you feel like you've been let down by the lack of Marvel Zombies in your life, you you can pick up at least a page or two to see um, that happening in the recent Hulk. And but Donnie cool. Cates is here to say, ha, zombies. <laughs> and I'm going to save that for later in the podcast as well, because hmm, about that. <laughs> uh, Donnie's got zombies on the brain, I guess, for the last couple months. So that's a thing. Well, zombies um, have brains on the brain. I mean, no, I'm not unpacking that. Nope. Thought about it. Not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be prudent. Nope. Would be not prudent. doing it. Um, so turtle news a while back by the um, way I missed the fact that uh, last Ronin number 4 had come out yeah it kind of snuck out right uh, I bought a copy I haven't read it yet but like yeah I, yeah I missed the release of it but go on well the final is coming Ben actually just finished um, the pages for the last issue this week uh, so there's been some delay in there and some of that's been, you know, been having taken over the project fully, you know, months ago after issue number one, when there was some moves in that one. But, um, that, that story is, is finding its way to a close and Ben's, you know, done the, the final pages. So, you know, for the art, art creator side, they, they've done the thing and it's headed to editorial and, and all that good stuff. So that can get wrapped up, but over in the main line, um, did you know, Mr. Hector, without looking at the show notes? <laughs> oh, okay. Not looking at the show notes. <laughs> that uh, how, how many female turtles are there in canon? In canon? Yes. Venus? Ah. See? Hector is well-versed. So Venus DiMalo is the original first female turtle, but lately they introduced us to Jenica, and there was this discussion over whether Venus still existed or not. 
Venus was the one from that horrible live action Fox show. Yep. Yeah. Um, and some other stuff. I think it's actually deeper than that, but I think you're right that it is mostly tied to that. But Eastman and crew are pulling um, DeMilo forward into canon. So we're, we're finally going to see possibly two female turtles um, because Jenica's still out there. Um, but Jenica is also not a turtle by the nature that the other turtles are. Right. It's it's not quite the same. Um, and also the whole th- her backstory was that she was a Foot Clan assassin and then she turned good guy and all that good stuff. So, but if you're looking for kind of where Venus finally finds way back into all the fandom, it'll be in TMNT Mainline 127, which is two weeks out, March 19th. I just remember her premiere on the TV show and was like, what the heck? (laughs) And and the, and the fact that it's Venus de Milo. So that like all the turtles literally are still like rocking that Renaissance theme. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. It's a thing. Her and her curvy shill. Yeah. (laughs) Look it up, fam. It's on the internet. So if you didn't know, now you do. So yeah, I, 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 I guess it's news. So I, even though I'm still sitting here licking my wounds of not being as good at getting to the movies as you, this is probably the place where we drop uh, Hector's non-spoilery review of of the bat of the Batman. I'm not even going to give like a like a review review, but just to mention um, on a yeah, comic so- on a comic book note. Um, uh, this pulls heavily surprise from uh the long halloween mm-hmm. um it also pulls heavily from uh catwoman when in rome oh interesting right um that whole thing that lobe sale era um yep. probably some dark victory in there as well there are uh there is a scene that is very very much uh hush era like batman 619 mhm um, and, uh, there was a, like, um, there's an Elliot reference, which was nice. I was like, Hey, um, but no, there's a, there's also some Batman zero year. So you do get some Tom King vibe. Um, and I do get, there is, uh, some elements of the suit that straight up remind me of, uh, there's a lot of stuff that reminds me of, uh, zero year from Tom King. That is, is that Tom King or Snyder? That's Snyder. Zero year? No. Double checking. That's because I, I should know that. We both should know that. We both should know uh, that. I feel like I'm failing. You, we I failed. think I feel Snyder on that in my head now. Um, uh, Capullo but, definitely did the art, so then it's Snyder. Yeah. Um, either way, it's a, there's some strong, not, sorry, Tom King, it, you don't get credit today. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely, that is definitely Snyder's cause yeah, that was, yeah. So there's some strong, uh, Snyder, um, and that's, uh, not Zack Snyder. What's the other Snyder? <laughs> Wrong dude. Yeah. Scott. Scott Snyder. Uh, there's some strong Scott Snyder zero year vibes to it. You'll see it in the aesthetic. Um, there's also um, one of my favorite stories in 
of the last ever for Batman was the Kevin Smith uh, Detective 100 thing or 800 where the center chest piece of Bruce's outfit was made from the decomposed or the deconstructed portions of the gun that killed his parents. Right. That that's not canon in the movie or anything, but it gives me that vibe the whole time. Um, but just to say, it's it's a very well done artistic um, piece of cinema. Um, it is not your uh, popcorn. Uh, let's buy the kids a McDonald's Happy Meal toy superhero movie, <laughs> right? Um, and I say this with all the trepidation in the world. It's very much the movie Seven. <sighs> um, it's it's got strong seven vibes. It's got strong saw vibes. Not gross, but like it, it's got that. It is very much a detective story. It is very much a psychological thriller. It is very much the gritty mob stuff. Um, it is the most grounded Batman story out there. Like in terms of realism, it makes um it makes the uh, Dark Knight trilogy look like you know batman 66 in terms of realism Ooh. um so yeah uh it's it's it is but i will say this it is broody it is long it is three hours y'all um so don't drink too much soda at the theater and um yeah because i was struggling um solid advice um and there is one post credit scene uh, that is uh, interactive. What? Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Uh, but um, and I will say that like some of my, one of my favorite moments was um, I saw a joke set up coming, and I said it out loud in the theater before it happened, and then I was right, and I was very happy with myself. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, but. <sighs> But it was now, and, I, and my my only critique is uh, Pattinson is an excellent Batman. Um, the portrayal of Bruce Wayne is not the billionaire playboy. It is straight up a uh, '90s grunge emo kid. It is Kurt Cobain as Bruce Wayne. Um, and there you go. But beyond that, I you know I've only watched it once, and it was less than twelve hours ago, and I'm gonna go watch it tonight again. So, uh, yeah. Party on Wayne. Ha <laughs> ha! Party on Wayne. Ha. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> no, not acknowledging that. It didn't oh, that was funny. <laughs> well, I guess that's what you needed to know. It was a bi-weekly look at the industry and us attempting to give you the inside knowledge. <sighs> Sorry, I'm tickled. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we broke Hector. Okay. So okay. if you need coffee. to engage in his shenanigans and whatnot... You can catch us in the Love Thy Nerd community over on Discord and on the Book of Faces and just about anywhere on the social medias. Um, if you are trying to connect with me on Discord, just remind me of how to actually get to my notifications. But I will, I'll try. See? 
in about a year, Hector's going to find out that he has 5,000 notifications in Discord, and he's going to answer them all at the same time. Yes. And that's pretty much how this works. But, you know, tell us what you liked, what you hated, what we didn't get to, and all of that good stuff, because that's how comics works. And that's why we enjoy our community, why we love all of you guys, and why we punish ourselves to read as many comics as possible and the news so that we can give you an hour package of all that stuff in a semi-neat, somewhat professional, but we laugh at ourselves, good time. So, there's that. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So this weekend was a weekend of wins and one notable loss. I picked up the new Elden Ring game at GameStop. I pre-ordered it, which means it came with a little fancy ring and a little satchel. And then I went and picked my daughter up from middle school, and we headed down to Charleston, South Carolina, where I was setting up for a Comic-Con. We had a three-hour road trip just getting down there. We got there, and we walked two and a half miles across a bridge that crossed a giant river. We, we just had a blast. Uh, we walked around downtown Charleston and explored. We ate fancy food. We stayed up late, watched movies. We, we just had a really great weekend. Plus, I had a really great weekend of doing ministry with Faith and Fandom and talking to people at this con and actually getting to interact in that capacity with my daughter and her asking questions and observing things. And it was just, it, it, was, it was really a treasure. Weekend was over, my daughter and I hopped in the car, loaded up, drove back to North Carolina, unloaded the car, and that's when I realized I didn't see my Elden Ring game. And it dawned on me that I had sat the game in the GameStop bag on the floorboard of the car where my daughter was going to eventually sit, and that at one of the gas stations, my daughter lovingly decided to clean out the car of trash and she i guess considered that gamestop bag trash and threw away my game now that's a loss that's like a 60 dollar loss on a game i've never played and i honestly don't know if i care enough about it to buy it again <laughs> and it makes me sad but when i look at that loss versus all the wind that I had from spending that weekend with my daughter and all that came from it, it I don't even care. It's garbage. And Philippians 3.8, we see the same idea. It says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. There's going to be some things that you're going to lose in this life as you actually follow Jesus. But when you look at them in comparison, the stuff that we actually let go of or lose is basically going to be considered garbage next to all that we gain from knowing him and the love that he has for us. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast. 
let's talk about what we actually read this week um because i did get to that um barely but i had some stuff i didn't get to read that's fair i think i have some stuff i have to go back for because that happens a lot too um so yeah tell me a little bit about the stuff that you found interesting this week and i just want to put the pin at the top again of the last four weeks going to the comic book store i felt like i look at the wall and i go what are the big two doing stop it please make it stop (laughs) give me something good to read and that's just my general vibe at the moment so I'm going to give you the things that I didn't read real quick, just for exclusion purposes. <laughs> right. Just so folks, so folks can understand. Yeah. Um, I did not read detective comics, 1053 through 1055. Um, okay. by the way, that's a weekly book now. Oh, good. Um, I did not read cowboy bebop number two. I didn't after reading the first one. I thought I'd give two a shot, but I probably shouldn't. Um, I did not I read. Tu- I, I touched it and put it back. <laughs> I did not read Robin's number four. Okay. Um, and I did not read Robin number 11. Um, and I did not read The Last Ronin number four, which I just found out existed and that I missed the release of. Um, so those were books i missed so i'll catch up on those um probably won't but i i took a, a an educated gamble and didn't read them ahead of time on my time frame because pretty sure they weren't going to end up on this portion of the show anyway um but here we go um and away we go uh, i will say this first off my uh my steady uh book is homesick pilots number 12 Um, if I've been literally 12 issues of this that I've been talking about and, uh, there's been a couple in the middle that felt low and sleepery, but, uh, man, they really picked up their stride again with issue 11 issue 12 is great. Um, and I'm just really satisfied with this book. Um, we went from giant, uh, uh, structured kaiju f- ghost fights to backstories on ghosts that embody living grief. And it's just like, okay. All right, um, we're doing this. Got it. So, like, Homesick Pilots, uh, literally two punk rock bands that uh, are fighting the forces of evil with monster kaiju spirits uh just it's it's great um it's consistently good um the nice house on the lake number seven came out and i it barely didn't make my list but just say um it kept me wtfing the whole book (laughs) because i was confused um and that was the point you're supposed to be um because there's also like what a three or four month gap between issue six and seven of that too um Mm -hmm. So it's been a hot minute. And so I was like, wait, did I miss something? Did I remember this character's name wrong? They're not supposed to be here. What's happening? Um, it was that. And that was the intention. But good gosh, it was disorienting. Um, so there's that. Uh, other pick for the week. Uh, I As I bought this one, I was saying this one was not going to be on my pull. Um, and then I made it about three fourths of the book and got rickrolled so hard that I literally like gasped and I'm like, well, there you go. You earned your spot. Um, 
Dark Knights of Steel number five of 12. Because I would have thought this was originally five of six, but okay. Um, and it's literally, you know, it's just a medieval take on the DC universe. But every freaking issue keeps coming up with new ways to hook me. Like, I would read this and be like, okay, this is a solid use of my dollar. But it wouldn't be my favorite. But then something in the issue is just like, bam, gotcha. And uh, they did the whole last issue was this whole thing that Bruce Wayne was actually the uh, half brother of Kal-El that Martha and Jor-El had an affair. And then this week uh, you get Harley, Ivy, uh, Wonder Woman and Kara Zor-El all with a real funky interaction and then you get some uh bruce cow vibes of stuff that i've not seen before Hmm. and it just threw me off um so this book literally is it's it's fighting king of the hill style for its place in the polls every time i read it so every time i think i'm done with it it just comes in swinging hard so um yeah okay. um human target i already said a lot and i'll just say this uh this is tom king's best stuff since um miracle mr miracle um the way that he's playing the noir gritty intelligent vibe of this story is freaking beautiful um and if all i got and this book were the pictures, I'd still pay for it. Um, the dialogue is great. Like I, you know, I screenshot and take pictures of pan- panels that are meaningful to me when I read comics, and I post them later. Um, uh, there is always something out of this book, even if it's just a look. And um, there was some, just some some fire dialogue in this one that I really really appreciated. Um, but also, it's given like. This book kind of jacked up my perception of the Martian Manhunter. Like, um, I'd say uneasy is the word. Um, that going through this, um, man, it is like it made me uncomfortable and a little uneasy in the read of it. In a good, not in a bad way, just like it affected me more than I anticipated. So just that. And um and then coming in for my last spot as far as oh I just noticed Rico did this. Oh that's wonderful. Um uh She Hulk, uh number two, uh is gonna take my last spot. It was between that, Tom King's uh Batman Killing Time or uh, something else that was floating around or yeah that was floating around for the spot but uh she hulk number two um gives us more of that story of uh a character that i have literally no idea who it was mm. so uh what's that dude's name um yeah jack of hearts oh yeah, yeah that's that's an interesting cut right there yeah, I was just like, I had no idea who this dude was. And they do a really great job in this issue of giving you, like, literally, there's a page that says, the last time Jen saw Jack of Hearts. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can you can buy that story um, because everyone has it in their back issues somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, but this is literally just her in full She-Hulk form nurturing a broken human emotionally and physically. And it's kind of beautiful. Like, uh, this dude shows up half dead on her doorstep and she gives him ice cream and takes care of him and she's nice to him. And then she finds a power suit that makes her feel strong and independent. And she goes into work uh, as She-Hulk just being super cool. Um, I just enjoyed the vibe. I enjoyed the art. Um, one of my favorite little panels is because, you know, she, I guess works in New York or some big city place. There's an ambulance trying to get through and she literally just walks in the middle of traffic, picks up the ambulance, walks in between the cars while holding the ambulance above her head and then sits it down ahead of traffic. And I was like, and she's just like whistling while she's doing it on her way to work. And I was like, I appreciate everything about this. Um, and the ooh that I just um, uh, said was that uh, Rico Renzi, uh, yep. who is a dude that Chris and I have worked with in the con circuit before, who's mm-hmm. also one of the creators of Spider-Gwen, uh, did yes. the colors for this. And dude, did you? He's a great colorist and just a great human being. He is a great colorist and a great human being. Did you know that there's a new Marauders coming? Uh, I'm not sure I did, but I mean, do you know how many more of those books are supposed to come this fall? All of them. <clears throat> but uh, coming March 2022, new cre- new crew, new creative team, new threats, and still Kitty Pride with a sword. So you you keep you're dangling my carrot there, um, Marvel. But yeah, those are my pulls. What you got? <clears throat> Let's see. Um, so I have three things that won't surprise anyone and one that will, maybe. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Donny Cates has uh, Zombies on the Brain and Crossover number 12 came out. And so he continues his journey of <laughs> killing all of the in- creators from the comic book industry that he knows. So that's that's still a thing. And I, I think I gave the spoiler that at the end of uh, Crossover 11 that Negan showed up. And, well, um, yeah, uh, if, if you care about spoilers, um, A, from The Walking Dead because you are unbelievably behind. Or um, Crossover, this is about the place in the podcast where you hit pause and you come back like in a couple minutes. Uh, because I have to talk about this. Um, so... In this part of the journey, uh, getting us again closer to the end of the actual story of the actual crossover of the comic book world with the real world um, and the discussion on whether this story is literally being written in real time, which means Donnie and other characters in the book itself have control over the book itself and where it's going to go. Yes, that's how messed up this story is. Welcome to the brain of Donnie Gates. Um, Negan goes looking for Kirkman. Because of course, right? And he rolls up into Kirkman's house and he's like, cool. So like a 12-year-old lives here because it looks like it's, you know, a museum to comics and an arcade and everything. And Kirkman's like, well, money's green and I like nerdy things. Um, And that's a thing. But they basically have a back and forth over the why did you make me such a terrible human being in your comic book, Um, The Walking Dead? Um, and Kirkman's like, well, because nobody wanted to buy zombie books and I got him to buy a zombie book anyway by lying to them. Like he tells 
the Walking Dead origin story, which if you've never heard that, he point blank lied about it being a zombie book because everybody was pitching zombie books back then. Um, and so he just moves on and it's crazy because he's got Lucille through this entire conversation and you're just like, yep, pretty much know how this is going to end. Um, and it does. He, he bashes that bro's head in um, just like poor old Glenn. Uh, but I, I have to say the, the end of it was after he did that to him, Negan looks down at him and he goes, that was for making me kill Glenn. <laughs> and I was just like, heh. So, <laughs> right? I'm just like, oh. yeah, I'm like, this book is just so unbelievably like broken and insane now at this point that it is, I, I think it, it's going to end up being something that when it's done, people who didn't read it are going to read it in its entirety and go, this is way cleverer than I thought it was even while I was reading it. And that's just wild to me that that's the success point that they're making on it. And yeah, so it was a really messed up series of pictures and all of that wonderful stuff right there. But crossover is still, if you're looking for that really off the wall, but you have a really good knowledge of comics over the last few decades, um, Donny Cates is just weaving a story there that is just amazing um so yeah crossover and the next one um moon knight obviously because this would have been on my polls if it wasn't on yours yeah because chris got there first yep Uh uh-huh um (laughs) that moon knight 8 seemed kind of wild and distracting to me and then moon knight 9 still out there but made me go cool uh i i get what's happening here and uh, I don't know fully how to explain this particular journey. So if you have thoughts on what how this actually unfolded, jump jump in here. Um, but I, I, I could give you a pitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear your pitch, and then and then I'll see if I can if I can put it back together. <laughs> so after breaking out of prison through Devil's Reign, uh, Moon Knight right. gets his uh, mask butt handed to him by a living entity of a, uh, let's say, a haunted apartment. Um, yeah, okay. And so it's a maze <laughs> okay. that feeds on people and their yes. presence. And uh, it kicks Moon Knight's butt and throws him out because he's too toxic. And uh, then uh, they come to a compromise where he actually uh, makes the haunted apartment part of the family and it becomes their new headquarters. Yeah, becomes the becomes the midnight mission. So, yeah, a haunted apartment. But I also kind of got the vibes because it was in there, but it was part of the haunted apartment talking to his multiple different personalities Um, that it also was kind of the fracture for the first time in the current series. Um of Moon Knight's different personalities. And I found that interesting because that's one of those things that, you know, Spectre's in control, at least in this current part of the story, but the really jacked up supernatural um, apartment complex just was like, yup, I see that and that's messed up. So yeah, it, I, I was just like, this is really cool and it's well illustrated. And that's the other thing is this story also didn't use a lot of art. 
I'm sorry, used a ton of art, but didn't use a lot of words to navigate um, that conversation between the two of them. But then, yes, it becomes the new Midnight Mission at the end, and I was just like, that is awesome. So Moon Knight continues to just be that goodness on my list from the Marvel side of things. It's personally picked up to become what Daredevil was a year ago. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I want, I just need Devil's Reign to end. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over it, even though I want it to be great. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> um, and yeah, just give, give me story. Give me a good story. Um, and, and I, I can't tell you this, but, um, without and won't tell anybody else this but just to imply this because you said you did not read daredevil woman without fear yes um there is something that apparently has happened um in somewhere in one of these devil's rain books that i have missed um that uh one of the things that we've heard played out repetitively um well i i guess there's no easy way to say this so i'm just gonna say it um this could be a spoiler, but I don't think it is because I don't buy it. Yeah, but um, um, but moderate warning. Uh, in Daredevil Woman Without Fear, um, number three, uh, they're telling Elektra that Matt's dead. Oh, interesting. And I don't know where the crap that happened. Um, and where I would have missed that at. Um, because I thought I was on top of things. Oh, um, I did see a piece of news about this, but I was like, that seems too in the weeds. But I believe they actually published something out of order because I did see a news article that said that stuff dropping this week was absolute was technically talking about something that didn't happen yet. So you okay. might you may not be confused. You were you're confused, but there might be a reason for it that something in the publishing schedules actually messed everything up. Okay. Um and that's just wild. Um so we might have to look into that one because that may be the case. Um and that's yeah, so that's interesting. Whoops. <laughs> so maybe spoiler, advanced spoiler. So that's good. Um, my next one is Strange Academy, because if you haven't figured it out by now, that's kind of my feel-good book that's just always going to be on this list and all that good stuff. And it's still pretty. This time, it's basically the kids are going to prom, so it's very much a high school um, prom story, um, top to bottom, you know, characters getting stood up, people going to the dance and enjoying it kids getting thrown out of school so like if you're just looking for again you know the the hogwarts of the marvel universe and like the x people in the world that this is just where we're at and it's pretty great so continue checking out all that art and all the things that are going on there and strange academy just continues to be delightful in my mind um and my last one is a number one before my actual number one, because I read there was like six number ones I think I picked up this week. There are a lot, but a lot of them didn't make it onto my actual um, list. But I did read and I did actually enjoy 
strange number one. And I don't know if you picked it up or if you're kind of tracking what's going on there. Well, I, um, I assumed you were going to, so I was letting you have that. Wow. You assumed I actually would read that? Yes. Oh, cool. Well, then maybe I am predictable on some of my Marvel stuff. But so, yeah, kind of glossing over the spoilers okay. that are. Well, just pause for a second. What's yeah. what's the last strange book you didn't read? I have I didn't finish reading Death of Strange because I was like I'm over it. You didn't finish, but what did you do? Um, you started it. <laughs> I did start it. Yes, so I guess that's fair. So Surgeon, if, if technically a, Surgeon Supreme was the last one that I actually read consistently and enjoyed. Right, but I knew if there was a new Strange book, you would at least start it. Yeah, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's fair. So, right. So, Doctor Strange died. Um, lots of resurrecting stuff occurred. So, we saw new old Doctor Strange, old new Doctor Strange, and then some resurrecting stuff didn't happen, didn't hold, and that kind of happened. Um, so, who picks up the mantle is actually the Sorcerer Supreme from the Dark Universe and is actually his estranged wife. Uh, so that's that's a thing. <laughs> um, and I, in that setup, I originally was kind of like, do, do I care? It, it, but then the art is really good. And basically someone who holds the last name Strange from the multiverse stepping into the mantle, who's a woman, A, they they did the whole thing of everyone being like, a woman can't be Sorcerer Supreme. And she's like, um, yes. And lots of stuff kind of flows out of that. Um, but it's another one of those circumstances where Marvel puts a strong female character into a role and it all makes sense and it's great. And I dig it when that happens. And the last time we saw that was in Thor with Jane Foster and we're going to actually see that. Um on screen here when that next movie hits. So that's pretty awesome too. Um, I just enjoyed this book. It was snarky, um, <laughs> very snarky. Um, but also like the first conversation is Dr. Doom like shows up and is like, yeah, so um, wait, you're not Steven. And she's like, yeah, no, um, but I am the Sorcerer Supreme. And Dr. Doom's like, yeah, no, that's not how that works. And she's like, mm -hmm, yep, actually it is now. So get out, Victor. Have a nice day. Um, so it was a good setup, I thought, for kind of just where that whole thing is. And that's kind of where my polls are at. Nice. I mean, it's a solid balance. Um, I, I like that it's balanced. It's kind of rebalanced out. I just wish there was more. So it's good time. This week in nerd history, raw is war. Nerd history. In January of 1993, the World Wrestling Federation first aired their weekly episodic pro wrestling program, Monday Night Raw, on the USA Network. This was the first real attempt at a wrestling show shot and aired to a live audience, with angles being played out as they happened. Almost three years later, WWF's chief competitor, World Championship Wrestling, began airing its own wrestling show in the same time slot, WCW Monday Nitro. 
This was the beginning of what is known as the Monday Night Wars. After weeks of trading ratings victories, WCW began to win week after week. Part of the reason why was because WCW felt new, more story-driven, and much edgier, while the WWF had continued to stick to their campier, classic format. But that all changed on March 10th, 1997, when Raw was renamed Raw is War. WWF changed its logo from its classic retro block text to a logo scratched and scrawled into the corner of your screen. They debuted a new set, they opened the show with new pyrotechnics, and had a new grungier intro theme. First, Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People, but shortly after changed to Thorn in Your Eye, created specifically for the show. The show went on to focus less on wrestling matches and more on storytelling, promos, vignettes, and swerves. This style of programming would lead Raw not to just surpass Nitro in the ratings just over a year later, but by 1999 becoming the most watched weekly show in the history of cable television. And ultimately, the change saw a return to glory for the WWF that would ultimately bring an end to WCW Monday Nitro, their final episode airing live on March 26, 2001, featuring a simulcast with WWF owner Vince and his son Shane, building the purchase of WCW into a new storyline for Raw moving forward. Since that time, the show rebranded back to its original name and has long since reverted back from its edgier content to a PG, family-friendly product. Though, with new competition and All Elite Wrestling bringing back WCW vibes for a new generation, the promotion, now named World Wrestling Entertainment, has occasionally flirted with edgier content again. You are listening to the Polis Podcast. So, to wrap us up, uh, what was the number one that just like really flew off the shelf for you? I don't think I ever really flew off the shelf for me. Um, I had a, oh, you fell down and I picked you up um, off the shelf. Um so it was between again because this one was kind of like trying to poke its head in. It was either between uh, Tom King's uh, Killing Time, Batman, and like honestly, I think the reason I didn't make my polls is because I read it right after watching the Batman, and I'm like, I'm tired of you, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, and eh, no, <laughs> well, you're off the list today. Um, but uh, All Star, not All Star, good grief, that's DC, um, All New Firefly number one. Um, and this is uh, just another Firefly book, but it feels like Firefly, and that's that's you know always an important thing. Yeah, uh, we, we had this conversation before the show started of the why does the number ones in the Firefly series all of a sudden feel right again, and then like three issues in, you're like, why'd you forget what you were doing? <laughs> well, and I really liked the last bout of New Firefly. Not the future Firefly, but the I like the last beginning of the new Firefly because it gave yeah. us the complete crew. Right. Um, and I need Wash and Book in my life occasionally. Yep. Um, this new Firefly picks up post-Serenity and apparently um, post the last comic book run. Right. I caught that too because they, they left the... Um... 
I want to call him a bandito every time I see him, but that's like not right. Or yeah, he's ba- they, but, the bandito is still there. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So River pilots the ship, uh, and Zoe and Wash's child Emma is a toddler, which puts this roughly um two and a half years after the events of the movie Serenity. Um, mm. and Jane is still on board. So we're we're not at future firefly um but we're also past the movie um so no book no uh no wash but we do get references to that um as well um but this gives us some jane backstory as a kid which was really nice and that's the whole reason it's on my number one um i enjoyed the jane backstory and also i know i did not finish out the other firefly run but the fact that kaylee is the captain now Right. I'm like, yes. I'm like, okay. How did that transpire? Do you know? Um, she just she kind of was just made it when Mal kind of went on the run. She was the one that stepped into the space because I think at the time in the story Zoe was off doing something else as well because the, the entire crew like splintered in the middle of. Of all of it. And then they all kind of slowly came back together at the end of the last kind of run. So was the Mal as sheriff thing, wasn't like that still during the timeline of Book and Wash Alive? No. It technically was after. Okay. That that tracks in my mind better. Okay. But either way, yeah. it's a delightful Firefly story. You still get Mal. You still get, you get everybody but Book and Wash. Right. Um Plus, you get the addition of the Bandito and uh, Emma. <laughs> right, um, which is great. Which is, they were which probably is the best two holdovers from what was going on. Well, and now, too, for the record, um, if you're if you're just now joining in the Firefly comic book universe, Emma is not new to this. Um, mm. Emma has been part of the Firefly comic verse. She uh, came over from the other studio that had Firefly before. Was it Dark Horse? Or um, yes, Dark Horse was the first um, run. Um, so uh, that actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, her character was created in uh, the book Float Out, um, which was a basically a wash tribute issue. And if I'm not mistaken, was written by Patton Oswalt. Um. Mm. But it was the first float out was the first place we saw that Zoe was pregnant during the events of Serenity and gave birth to Emma subsequently. Um, So I love the fact that, A, not only are we bringing stuff from the original cinematic versions that um, they saw something good in the previous comic versions and held on. Mm hmm. Because a lot of the previous comic version stuff was not worth holding on to. But I, <laughs> I I think we tracked and said Emma is. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it almost made my list at some point in the week as well. But I, I, I had something else that stood out. <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, 
Hellboy universe and Mignola and all that wonderful stuff um, brought us a crazy character from kind of his COVID doodlings. Like he has a COVID book of just he sat down and like drew a bunch of random stuff during COVID. And I believe this was one of them or it might come from even deeper in his universe. But Radio Spaceman number one is just everything you want from like a very pulpy comic book down from the way that it's drawn to the story it's it's got that hellboy universe out there feel to it and it's a one of two issues um story so it's it's very pulpy and it was just kind of fun to be that kind of mindless but also have something really gorgeous to look at and um a, a story that is going to be able to be told in two issues because you really do kind of hit the halfway point at the end of that issue and it's great that that's that's what I want from comics at times is I pick it up it's pretty and it tells a story I'm in and out and it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside so if you're if you're looking for that kind of thing then this is probably one of the weird times I tell you to read something from that universe that you're not looking for something that's spoopy or whatever just that it's kind of wild and um just different and more times than not, I am down for different. Um, but this is a good different, so I dug it. I think if you're into looking at pretty arts and quick stories that make sense, that this is going to be your number one for this kind of period of time. And wow, that 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 was a that was a comic book uh, podcast right there. So. That's going to do it for us uh, here at the Polis Podcast. Uh, Order 66 is in the books and now in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. As you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom with lots of other amazing podcasts at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com, click on listen, and you can find info, previous episodes, show notes, and maybe find yourself a new show or something to add to the routine. So you go click the thing and that would be great. But Hector and I do honestly want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on, well, that, you know, nearly weekly basis. Um, so don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. Uh, we're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Um, just thank you. You guys are great. We couldn't do this unless, you know, people click the download button. So thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read, read more, more comics. comics.